Welcome to the You Should Know This podcast by BCC Research. Our podcast features innovative companies and individuals who are working to shape, disrupt, and revolutionize not only their own industries, but also the way we'll live and work in the future. Each week, we talk to visionaries whose work is something you should definitely know about. Now, here's your host, Clara Mowit. Hello and welcome back. I'm your host, Clara Mawad, and as a content specialist for BCC Research, I'm excited to bring you along as we talk to the companies and individuals who are leading us into the future. Today, we're looking at the intriguing market of ag tech innovation, and I'm very excited to have a special guest, Megan Lyman, here with me leading the conversation. Megan is the General Counsel and VP of Operations for Orth Bio and brings with her a wealth of knowledge on both the ag tech industry as well as the tech transfer world. We've been fortunate to work with Megan on projects in the past and are thrilled to have her join us here. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Thanks for asking. So before we kind of go into the details of the industry as a whole, do you mind giving us a background on yourself and kind of how you got involved in the ag tech industry? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So I started in the world of science. I was really interested in plant science and cell science and was a national science fellow down at Texas Tech for a couple of summers in their Department of Agriculture. And that's kind of where my passion for ag was born. Um, I went to graduate school for molecular biology and started to really think more about entrepreneurship and innovation, and it really started to get excited about going to law school. So I went from graduate school to law school and right into big law, where I learned to do a lot of patent prosecution and litigation over at Jones Day down in their Irvine office. Um, decided to relocate to the Research Triangle Park. It's closer to family, and it really is just a playground for life science and, and ag tech. Um, so it made a perfect sense from a professional standpoint. And had a private practice there for about 10 years, really working with entrepreneurs across a lot of different technical areas, um, still focused on agricultural industry. Um, I joined the Ag Tech Accelerator, a venture development organization here in RTP about four years ago. And then there we funded three companies and founded two companies, all at their seed stages across different sorts of ag tech sectors. Um, I was responsible there for helping them develop their IT portfolios and strategies on securing their IT through tech transfer, which is where I got, a lot, got to know a lot of those offices, um, and help them with just general legal support. Um, I'm currently at EarthBio. EarthBio is a brand new joint venture between Arvinus, a life science company up in New Haven, and Bayer Ag. Um, we are going to be pioneering protein degraders in agriculture for agricultural uses. And, and we'll talk about that a little later. It's, it's a really great example of a human health operation and seeing how that can be applied to ag and how it can help the sustainability and give our farmers new tool sets. So thrilled to be here. That's really exciting. And I think, yeah, you touched right upon it. Ag tech is really um, very prominent right now, given our fight against COVID. Um, how would you say that it's pl- the role for ag tech? What is it specifically um, when it comes to creating a safer and cleaner world, given our current situation? Well, as you know, and as many of us have experienced, COVID has had a significant impact on our supply chains, including food. I think for the first time, many Americans were surprised to go to their grocery stores and find that there wasn't chicken there. There weren't staple foods there that that are outside of sort of that, that when there's a hurricane or a blizzard with the milk and the bread, you know, we were seeing significant losses in, in our grocery stores. 
Um, McKinsey just did a great article on this. It, and the grocery sales have increased 29% over last year. So that really shows that the stress that's being put on our food supply chain and our food system that already was already pretty stressed. I mean, it's affecting our farmers' ability to harvest. Um, most of our predominant majority of farm workers rely on agricultural visas to work, so farmers aren't able to get the people that they need in to, to do harvest. Um, COVID, we've also seen pressure on our livestock production. There's been 18 processing plants have been shut down during this pandemic. It really, I think, is highlighting our, how tenuous our supply chain already is and how tenuous it is and at a breaking point. Um, but the good news is, I mean, ag tech is, really has wealth of potential to help with this. Um, you know, you talked about tech transfer. One of the MIT spin-outs is called Cambridge Crops, and they are developing safe and edible clear coatings that will increase shelf life. Um, that really helps provide a release valve to that supply chain. It not only allows that food to be fresher once it's in the grocery store, but could allow that food to be transported even farther and get to some of the food deserts that we have in our country. Um, we have also seen, you know, a rise in interest in, in, in funding with plant and cell-based protein companies that helps release that livestock demand that we see and that demand for protein that really we are seeing increase globally. Um, and, and, you know, farmers have been impacted as well. Um, they're being asked, asked to produce more with less. Um, COVID has disproportionately impacted a lot of the small shareholder farmers um, in more rural areas, and they really need technologies that are going to increase their yields and lower the pest pressure so that they can feed their communities. Um, on the other hand, with the spectrum, you know, we see all of these ag tech companies that are supporting in the growing and the accessibility of food. But we're also seeing some ag tech companies pivot in, with their platform technologies and start to make COVID vaccines. And I think it really speaks to ag tech innovators and entrepreneurs just being super passionate on working on food stability, but also caring for our general population. Definitely. And would you say that the trajectory of types of innovations within the ag tech industry have shifted due to COVID or it's more of kind of putting them on a fast track? I think it's putting them on a fast track. Um, I think we've seen a lot of innovation over the last couple of years and a lot of interest in providing farmers and new, to, new tool sets to deal with climate change. Um, you know, we just saw last week a, a temperature of 130 degrees in Death Valley. Um, it's the highest one on record. So I, I think there's always been this acknowledgement that we need to do better for our food system. Um, and now the public is really seeing how much that really needs to be done, um, that we can't rely on the crop chemistries that have developed back in World War II um, in order to keep feeding the planet and have a sustainable food chain with reliable food security. Um, I mean, there's technologies across the gamut that are applied to tech, whether it's precision farming or rapid breeding that we're seeing for indoor growing markets. I mean, that's another release valve from having to transport these large harvests across countries. Indoor farming can be something that can be done very locally, um, but we need to breed new plants and get new varieties that are really accustomed to that environment. Right. And then following up on that kind of, um, I guess, the tail end of it, what, what do you think the ag tech field will look like in the post-COVID-19 world? So, I, yeah, I do think, you know, we're going to see these disruptions in the food supply chain really highlight how fragile it is. Um, Post-COVID, I think we're going to be seeing a, a renewed push for better technology that allows that increased deal and extended shelf life, as well as a passion for providing farmers in this expanse, a more expansive toolkit. 
Um, hopefully, studies like that was published by the International Food Policy Research Institute will, will expose the real impact COVID is going to have on our population. Um, they've postulated that the economic impact of COVID is going to result in a deeper recession than 2008's financial crisis, and that will end up pushing about 150 million people into extreme poverty. Um, this extreme poverty impacts accessibility to nutrient foods. Moreover, the farmers, like I mentioned earlier, most of those farmers that are in those areas that are most affected, such as sub-Saharan Africa, are small sugar farmers um, that really have, really have had a lot of pain points with the pandemic and are going to need a lot of support um, to continue that vocation. I think to combat this, uh, we're going to see a rise in funding that from impact investing for sure, um, but also from other investors and, and more um, that to support ag tech companies who are making food more accessible. This is already being discussed. I'm glad that you brought it up. Uh, there's a launch bio, bio uh, discussion a couple of weeks from now here in our area in the research triangle about agri-tech in the post-pandemic world. Um, I think seeing that, even though we're not even in the post-pandemic world, um, is super exciting because it means people are already thinking and thinking, where are those gaps? How can we fill them? And how can we make, make, make food more accessible to everybody? So one thing you mentioned is the need for technology to adapt, to provide opportunities for you know, farmers and businessmen. Um, and what type of technology do you foresee being the most pertinent? For example, I know that 3D printing is playing a bigger role in the food industry and um, precision farming, as you mentioned, deals with some pretty sophisticated tech. What are the core pieces of technology that you believe could help tip the balance and help these newer innovations work to really help bring people out of this poverty that we know we're going to see? Well, I'm a little biased. Um, in terms of precision farming, I was speaking to a colleague earlier this morning, and he was saying that precision farming, because of the pandemic, will be adopted faster. He likened it to Zoom, that the adoption of Zoom and all of these different ways of communicating with each other have been there, and they've been developing slowly over the last decade or so. But this pandemic has really pushed that technology to have to step up to the plate, and it has made people be able to use it. Um, so I, I think that's very true on precision ads. Um, I also really think that innovations and disruptions in agricultural chemistry really will be helpful. I, I, it's really an amalgamation of all of the tool sets that we have. And we have to be really expansive in our view of that. It includes gene editing, includes agrochemistry, includes biologics and microengineering. Um, all of those things have to be taken together in those worlds mesh, I think, to make the impact that, that we need to make. So, uh, and so with us, with the agricultural chemistry, like I mentioned, you know, farmers have to use five or six different agricultural chemistries in order to produce their crop. And without those, they would lose 70% of that crop. And that's a significant portion of the crop that really would have severe impact on the population were it to be true. So, so new chemistries that can help yield and help with crop protection, such as the pro-technology that we're using at Earth with protein degradation that also can promise that are more sustainable, nicer on the environment with lower dosing and higher specificity, I think would really push the agricultural, the agricultural world into a new place. Got it. And so would you say things like the Impossible Burger, for example, which is, you know, I know created to help reduce the amount of water and you know, meat consumption while also providing people with what they're looking for. Do you foresee things like that really becoming um, kind of hitting the market? 
Yes, I do absolutely see things getting hitting the market. Um, I really love the Impossible Burger and Beyond Foods. They are so expansive in their thoughts and creative with what they've done. I think those products, as you, when you go to the market, you see that they're slightly more expensive, which a certain consumer is, is willing to take that cost. Um, but this kind of feeds into the thesis of indoor growing. As they're able to grow those components of, of their plant-based foods and they're able to change the nutrient nutrition content of those foods through breeding and through things like um, CRISPR or protein degraders, you're going to see that cost come down and that viability really go up. Um, I'm also excited about the cell-based proteins. Uh, Blue Nalu out in uh, San Diego is doing aquatic um, foods and a cell-based manufacturing system that also provides you know, less of a carbon footprint and another alternative for people. Yeah, I'm very excited to see the different um, options. People are very imaginative and the products are really, really close to, you know, actual meat or what they're trying to replicate. One thing you mentioned was kind of the higher cost, which is true um, as of right now. What are some of the, I guess, stumbling blocks do you kind of see the industry running into in the near future? Right. So in the, in the near future, agriculture is a really unique space. Um, farmers are used to the chemistries that they know, and they know that they will get a yield from that, and they know that that's at a certain cost and a certain dosing rate. So as we're developing new chemistries or we're putting in CRISPR or we're doing all of these other advances in technology, it's important for us as innovators and entrepreneurs to, to acknowledge all of the good work the farmer does and see if we can plot into that system with technologies that are, again, are going to be more sustainable and less have less environmental impact and help the, the farmer deal with the erratic climate impact that they have to deal with today. Right. And let's shift the viewpoint slightly and look at this from a different angle. Let's say you have an entrepreneur who's really passionate about sustainability and wants to get involved in the ag tech industry. What would maybe be your top tip to help them out? You know, get the best education that you can and be, be as open to possible as all types of learning. Ag tech is a space that almost anyone in any field can be in. You know, if you're precision ag or whether you're doing RNAi or whether you're doing um, the microbiome, but if you're if you're into science and STEM, there's a place for you here. Um, I would also push, you know, if you're if you're getting your education, and they don't have a department of agriculture. That certainly doesn't mean that you can't do projects within the field. Um, and, and reach out. There's a lot of ag organizations. You know, our NC Biotech has an agricultural component. And those week, those monthly meetings that are on Zoom now, but when they were in person, um, the ag community is exceptionally welcoming. It's, it's a very passionate, welcoming, and inclusive, inclusive sector. And I would encourage just reaching out to, to scientists and people and business people that, that, that call out to you and have messages that you'd like to be a part of. That's, yeah, that's a great tip. And kind of back, you know, piggybacking off of that, um, you know, as you mentioned, getting a good education from the edu from the academic point of view, how can universities and industry partners benefit from partnering with companies and organizations? Like, how can they, how do they benefit by all working together in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. So any startup, so if you're an entrepreneur and you want to get into ag, any startup is strapped for resources, whether it's ag tech or any other industry. Um, there are university and industry partners that, that can play a critical role in, in, in building the gaps between those resources. Um, here we have a program at NC State 
that has this memorandum of agreement for research that allows a one-time short-term research collaboration for a prescribed amount, which is very de minimis, um, and with a highly discounted overhead rate. Um, programs like that allow startup companies and small companies with little resources to really leverage those universities and the resources they have, and, you know, down to that instrumentation that, that small companies just aren't going to get until much farther down the road. Um, other industry parkers, partners like Bayer Leaps, that's the Earth is the Bayer Leaps program, um, as well as UPL that just launched here in the research park again. Their R&D Center for Sustainable Agriculture um, really have play a critical role. Um, that UPL really providing services and resources to startups, and that Leaps program really providing that funding that goes towards their thesis. But, you know, what they are doing is investing in a paradigm, shifting advances in the life sciences and breakthroughs that could change the world for the better. So as a LEAPS company, uh, we are using that human health aspect, that human health innovation that really also came from tech transfer, that the technology stems from Yale and went to Arvinus. And we're really leveraging that in order to, to, change, to change the population and provide food access. Oh, that's exciting. And it's exciting for students because I think, like you mentioned, it's kind of a unique field where there is so much not leverage, but there's a lot of resources there within the world of academia to help people really boost, go right into the industry. Um, and to wrap, kind of wrap this up, I have a final question for you. Uh, just on a personal note, what are some of your favorite startups or newer companies that you've seen within the ag tech industry? Yeah, I have a couple of, of favorites. And I really do hesitate to call any out because I know I'll, I'll leave out other ones and I don't want to have any hard hard feelings. I mean, I definitely would put Unfold, which is also a Bayer Leaps company that's doing indoor growing um, with Temasek over in Singapore, Pairwise, um, that's working on editing for fruits and vegetables. Um, and then I have, you know, an amalgamation of just some other ones that we watch that, that are local um, and that you know, just are filled with, with good people like Sound Agriculture and Greenlight Biosciences. Thank you so much, Megan, for all of your insight into this industry. I know that ag tech is certainly a market that people will be keeping an eye on, especially as we work to end the pandemic and then deal with the aftermath. And I know that there's a lot of uncertainty there, but there's also a lot of hope and a lot to look forward to with the innovations that are certainly being created to really help people through this time. Um, so I'm very excited to be able to talk to you about where it's all going and really what people should keep an eye out for in the upcoming future. Yeah, that's great. And, and thank you, Claire, for inviting me. I, I would love, you know, your, our listeners, your listeners to be inspired by ag tech. I mean, everybody eats three times a day. Um, we, we have a number of people that come over from human health and it, it doesn't take long for them to say, gosh, I was working on a project that could have an impact on on 50,000 people and a real impact and an important therapeutic impact. Um, but here I work on something that affects literally everyone. So ag tech is a, is a great field and I'm so impassioned with uh, being with earth and, and helping with this. For sure. Thank you, Megan. And we'll, we'll be linking um, resources for our listeners below for people interest wanting to learn more about the industry and those interested in getting more involved, because like you said, this impacts everyone. <laughs> That's right. 
Thank you for listening to the You Should Know This podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing or sending us a quick five-star review. New episodes come out weekly, and we're excited to have you join us as we continue to learn about the companies and individuals who are shaping our future.